Is the superhero movie about to die? A fiery death to crash and burn into oblivion? And what is the deal with a movie called Baby Driver that doesn't have any babies in it? We're going to talk about it on this week's episode of Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. What is up, my nerds? Welcome to Pop Culture with Fanboy Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. And we are here today to talk about superhero movies and how they're about to die. (laughs) I don't know if we'd go that far, Jake. We might go that far, but you'll have to find out. And we had to bring somebody in to help us talk. I mean, if we're going to do something as official as pronounce the death of the superhero movie Which we're not doing... Potentially, I don't know. Spoiler alert. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe so. We had to bring in a guest, and that guest is a podcast host himself, Tim Nestor. Welcome, Tim. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to pronounce the death of something. I never got <laughs> to do that. I never Maybe. got to do that. We don't know. We don't know yet. It's See, it's really good that we have like a professional podcaster on. Oh, so yeah. As we go along. Really professional, sitting in my kitchen trying to keep the kids in the other room while I... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get to the death, or maybe the life of the superhero movie genre, though, we're going to talk about Baby Driver because this thing is getting a lot of word of mouth. I didn't. I saw the trailers for this. wasn't that excited for it. Didn't really know. Oh, so you were that excited? I wasn't. I was kind of. This looks like another action movie, hmm. except except for the fact that it was written and directed by Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. who right. I'm a fan of. Mm. Right. Um, so we're going to talk about that first. But Tim, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, happy to tell be here. us tell us a little bit about your nerd self. Yeah, so I am married for twelve and a half years. We've got five kids. Five. Yeah. I found out that Jake had four, so we had another one, just so I could beat him. He's a a one-upper. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever Jake has, plus one. Um, So now we have five kids. Um, My oldest is ten, my youngest is four. So we have a loud house, and it's summertime, so things are extra loud. Um, But I am an avid video gamer. I do love movies and most nerd things, but video games is kind of my sweet spot. Um, I've been gaming since the Atari. I remember playing Asteroids was my very first game, and ever since then I've just been hooked. Um, now, how old were you when you played? I was five when I played Asteroids. Mm-hmm. We got it for Christmas. My parents somewhere still have the VHS video of my older brother and I playing Asteroids for the first time. He got the Atari, but we got to both play. I got an Etch-a-Sketch animator. <laughs> Do you remember that? An so, animator? So he, this is something that might be. I was looking back. I'm really upset about yes. this. Okay. Well, no. But Atari in, etch a sketch. It doesn't. It doesn't. But etch a sketch animator was an electronic etch a sketch. But you could. So you make a drawing, you hit save, and then you hit next, and then you draw another one, and you get like mm. twelve frames. So it was a cool little thing, and it lasted way longer than the Atari did. <laughs> um, it lasted seriously till like 2007 or something. Yeah. Because <laughs> we you were, you were took, always playing it took Atari. Four AA batteries. That thing cost a lot of money. Perfectly preserved. Um, so anyway, yeah, asteroids. Pitfall Frogger got us started, and even to this day, you know, I own all the new new systems, and I try to keep up with most of the major releases. I, there's certain genres and stuff I stay away from, but I am a major gamer, and so we started the podcast. Um, a friend of mine and I, also an avid gamer, more so than the, than I am, I think. Uh, he also has kids; he has a full time job, and we said that a lot of people talk about how do you balance family and work with this hobby that's so expensive at times, but really time consuming. So we started a podcast called Fathers of the Grind, and it's all about the grind of life and, of course, that double meaning with the grinding of games. A lot of times you talk about you have to grind through this part of the game, you have to grind to level up, to beat a boss. So, yeah, now we're on episode 79. Incredible. Fathers and, uh, of the Grind. Right? Fathers of the Grind. I do explain to my wife this weekend what grinding was. Yeah. Because she was thinking, like, high school prom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. We've, yeah, totally. <laughs> we've we've, we've had a lot of questions. <laughs> One of the biggest ones was, oh, is this a coffee podcast? And I was like, no, but that would be a great name for a coffee podcast. It totally would be. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so we, I, I'm really enjoying doing that, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> That just really fizzled out real fast. There. <laughs> I also work right beside Jake. On the regular. On the regular. Um, my back is turned to him all day. And Which now is we have a high degree of trust. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, I, or my something. back would be turned to Jake, too. <laughs> I do it as an insult, but it's also a trust thing. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. totally what it is. <laughs> and now, without further ado, it's time for some baby driver. Baby driver. 
Welcome in to our movie review discussion. This episode, we're talking about Baby Driver, a new film written and directed by none other than the illustrious Edgar Wright. Yeah. He's done some good movies. He's done very few movies, but the yeah. ones he's done are so well made. Yeah, I think that I've really appreciated, although all of them have content problems. Yeah, three out of the four are rated R. Can I say it? Content caveat with Polly's. <laughs> very good. With the assist. That's very good. Yes. Yeah, no, they, they've got some problems, but they're yeah. really funny for the Shaun most part. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Hot Fuzz at World's End. A Fistful of Fingers. Scott Pilgrim. Haven't seen A Fistful hmm. of Fingers. Neither Scott Pilgrim was one of the surprises that, you know, my son made me watch that, and I was actually pretty impressed with it. It was surprisingly yeah. fun. Loved that movie. So. Love it. Yeah, well... Speaking of video games. Yeah, exactly. It's totally a video game on screen. It is. Just like Baby Driver is sort of like a music video on screen. It is, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Baby Driver, in its own weird way, this movie I feel like was probably hard to market because you Mm. it's a action car chase, but it's got a romantic love story, but it's also a comedy, and you've got this music playing almost the entire time. In a way, it's almost like a low-key musical. Mm. Yeah. Slash no, music I, video. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I actually feel like the music was kind of its own character in that movie. Yeah. It played such an important role. And I, again, don't want to give too much away for anyone who hasn't seen it. But it, it helps the main character deal with some things. Right. I'll just right. put it that way. Is that safe to no, say? No, yeah, and I think we can, we can sort of unpack the character. And in, and in the moments when the music is taken away from him, yeah. the music is out of the movie. Yeah. yeah, And that was really clear. So one of my favorite, there's many favorite scenes that I have, but one of my favorite moments is when there's a big gunfight happening and all the shots are happening in rhythm with the music. And it's yeah. very well shot. Yeah. And then the music's taken away from him. I won't say exactly how, but the music's taken away from him. And then all of a sudden the guns are just kind of firing randomly. Yeah. I noticed that real quick. And it just kind of felt like another movie, another yeah. shootout. And then he starts running yeah. and nothing was within rhythm again. Yeah. Until the music came back. And then things went right back into rhythm. I loved that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, and one of the cool things, just to just to unpack the story a little bit. So, Baby Driver is this is this kid, this baby faced kid who sort of falls into a situation where he's a, a driver for a, a criminal kingpin, and his ever rotating cast of bad guys. And the guy had a had a the the baby driver had a a bad accident when he was a child. His parents were killed in this accident, and he suffers from tinnitus. Is that how you say it? Or tinnitus? Very good. Like a ringing in the ears. Basically. It's ringing in the ears, and so he he sort of uses the music to separate himself and to and to help him concentrate and to I think sort of deal with that continued loss. And so that's sort of the the character that, that right. we're given. Um, and then a lot of stuff, thing, a lot of things happen to it with him. Right. And uh, it, one of the things that I really appreciated in the very first opening sequence, first of all, that that opening driving sequence is amazing. Yeah. It's one of the best I've ever seen on screen. Right. But as the as the credits are starting to to roll down the opening credits, you see him walking down the street, and he's just listening to his yeah. music, and you hear the music. But as he's passing, everything on that street sort of echoes what he's hearing. Right. You see the graffiti. You see um, people sort of chiming in with their own instruments in this music. Well, it's and the word, yeah, yeah, the graffiti, the words, a sign, like the words of the song, whether it was the word yeah or oh yeah, and it's real brief. Yeah. Like one time it's on a, on a telephone pole, and the camera barely, you barely see it, but I was like, that just said oh yeah. I know. As the sing- as the song says, oh yeah, it's really really well done. It's just done. so well done. Well, and that so that opening car sequence is great. It's like the opening heist introduces you a bit to kind of what's happening, and then that sequence you're talking about with the title where he's going to get coffee. It's yeah. the post heist coffee pickup for the crew, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it's one long shot. And yeah, if there's yeah. a cut, then I can't find. I couldn't find where it was. No, it was a one. It was a one take scene, and they actually shot it 28 times. I, I looked this up. They shot it 28 times. Did it say how long that scene was? Um, by any chance? I don't. I didn't see. It had to be how a couple minutes, it right? It had to be it was, like it was probably in that two and a half minute, minute and a half to two minute okay. long, which is an eternity when you're range. talking on film, right? You know? With no cuts nowadays, where cuts tend to happen within right. five to fifteen seconds anymore. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a, it feels long because there's nothing there. Yeah. That's how they used to make movies yeah. back in the day. If you go watch old yeah. movies, they had hardly had any cuts. Yeah. Yeah. But now it feels weird when well, they do these long What takes. was interesting is if you think about how that scene is pieced together, the words and the graffiti, the people that passed by him, the way things had to hit in rhythm with the song, 
and the way they had to make sure that the camera caught a certain character walking by the window that he notices that we don't quite yeah. get to meet yet. They do all these pieces and they throw them all together. I was super... Like, right away. It was brilliant. In the same way brilliant. that the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, when he's walking in and he starts singing and he uses a little rat thing to sing it as a microphone, I was like, something about the style I already love. I felt the same way about Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Like, instantly I kind of settled in and I was like, I already love the vibe yeah. of this movie. No, I think J- like James Gunn, who did Guardians of the Galaxy, and Edgar Wright have that in common with the way they, they are fanboys of... <clears throat> the genres and the music that they are using yeah. and so they know how to get the best stuff and to get the and the way to piece it together in such a way that's not only cool for the person who maybe has never heard that song ever yeah. in their life before mm-hmm. but is like really hits that nostalgia button hard on all those who have because yeah. it's such an appropriate usage you know it's used by somebody that really truly loves the source material yeah, right. themselves yeah. and you know when, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that that it feels is it a modern day musical I think that's absolutely accurate as we're talking about it and we talk about the the choreography and the music all going together it really does have sort of that sense because hmm. it, it is sort of in its own stray, strange very actiony way hmm. it's almost like a song and dance yeah, you know you have the music and you have this incredibly intricate choreography whether yeah. it be on the street or whether it with, it's with huh. the car or the gunfight you know you yeah. have these these elements that wouldn't necessarily feel out of place in a, in a hmm. Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers movie yeah. really no, seriously, and he literally dances through some of the scenes whether yeah. it's that one take getting the coffee or around his apartment mm-hmm. as he's making a sandwich for his foster father mm-hmm. or like you said the cars and the action sequences themselves he's lip syncing he's dancing he's grooving you know it, it edgar wright does this in his movies mm. he mashes like two genres into one and makes this incredible send-up mm. because you think of Shaun of the dead that's a post-apocalyptic zombie movie yet also comedy. a a <laughs> like a, a romantic comedy yeah about this guy who's trying to retain this relationship yeah. with this girl that's a very down. british romantic comedy yeah and then you've got hot fuzz which is a buddy mo- cop right. movie that's an action film a buddy cop action film that's mashed with this like kind of quaint period yeah. little countryside town drama <laughs> and then at world's end is you know is like a, a party guys movie mashed with a alien invasion body snatchers huh. sci-fi story yeah. and so this is something that um, Edgar Wright is a writer and director. This is his sweet spot. Yeah. And you know, I wonder whether he's sort of having a career trajectory a little like um, um, Wes Anderson. Interesting. You know, in that, in very that, different styles. Very different styles. But when you think about it, they're, they have their very own unique styles. Yeah. And when you first watch them, you're not exactly sure what to expect. And you're not even sure necessarily what you think of it. But as their career sort of goes on, and you start to sort of understand the, the directors a little bit better... You come to appreciate what they're doing hmm. a little bit more. Well, I mean, Edgar hits us with it right away, right as the crew goes in. I mean, before you even see the opening credits, yep. I'm pretty sure yeah. they go in the building, and as soon as they're out of sight, he starts singing along and dancing along and performing in the car. So right away, you have that moment of this almost feels musical-ish. So yeah. I see what you're saying now. It does make sense that that's the vibe he's giving, but instead of characters breaking out into song. It's the action right. that quote unquote breaks out into song, like like I said, with the doors closed. There's a, there's one scene where there's supposed to be a a certain deal that goes down in the shady warehouse, and when everything falls apart and a gunfight ensues, that is incredibly rhythmic. That entire sequence is all on beat with whatever the I forget right. what the song is. And it's, I do too. I but it, it feels like a musical number that broke out. It just happens to be a very, very violent one. That ends poorly for some people who are involved. <laughs> Which is one, and you mentioned it earlier, that is definitely one thing about this movie that's yeah, worth it, it, yeah. keeping an eye out for. It's, it's very violent. It's very violent. Not, for the, whole, not the whole time. No, it, but. it's unfortunate. Like I said in, in my Plugged In review, you know, what makes it good is not this problematic content. Mm-hmm. You could you could lose, I think, a lot of the problematic content, and it would still have exactly the charm and excitement and, and the energy that it would have. So, in in some ways, because of that, from from my point of view, sitting in kind of that plugged in chair where you're sort of monitoring that, it was disappointing mm-hmm. because the movie itself was something that I really liked, yeah. 
and then it had all this this stuff that I, I don't think it needed. Yeah, it had a good amount of f bombs thrown in there. Yeah, sixty. And it had, sixty. I counted. You had them to all. you had to tally Cody those up out with Paul, <laughs> AC, and Tim Ness. There it is. <laughs> But again, I mean, it's one of those things where if they had chosen a, a select few lines right. that they could have used the expletive, I suppose, to punch a joke or something, I guess. But it was it was over, by the time we got towards the end, I was like, they're overdoing it. Yeah, there was there was a moment where one of them was used for comedic effect, and yeah. uh, the confession is that Tim and I both laughed out loud. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did. Jamie Foxx, he's an Oscar winner. Yeah. What can we say? Yeah. Um, but and I, and but to speak to the violence, I did get a sense from the violence in this film. Uh, it felt heavy. Mm-hmm. As as choreographed, as flashy and shiny, and uh, kind of oddly optimistic as this movie was right. overall, the violence felt heavy when it happened. It mm-hmm. didn't feel. Yeah. I never felt like odds, oh, no big deal. I never. It, it, it felt like the movie was asking me, as the viewer, yeah. alongside of the character, some of the characters, not all of them, <laughs> to actually think about the weight. Of the mm-hmm. violence and the real world impact oh, that's of the violence huh. in this movie, like I actually felt bothered by it. And, and you think the movie was asking? And I, feel I, I, you know, I think and I buy that. several times. Yeah, yeah. Huh. There, there's maybe about twice where where they're maybe not asking you to feel sympathy, or but I always felt like it was weighty. No, I, and I and I, like huh. it was problematic and like li- it, when a life was ended in this movie. A yeah. couple of times, there's different lives that end. It it felt grave. It felt grim. It felt sad, even if it wasn't a particularly good person. Well, and I think that that's a really interesting point, and I think that goes with the innocent of the of the baby character. Right. You know, you see that he really doesn't like this aspect of of this world that he's in, and so when he encounters someone who's very violent and kind of unhinged, you feel that tension between baby the good guy hmm. and Bats, the bad guy, the, the Jamie Foxx. One character. of the bad guys. One of the many bad guys. Yeah, but he's probably the most violent of them all, and I think that that's where I sort of felt what you're talking about, yeah. where it feels, it feels heavy, it feels wrong. Right. You know, killing should always be wrong, but oftentimes in these action movies, it doesn't. It doesn't really feel like it. You kind of forget about the body count. Yeah, with, and this I didn't this, forget it did about. Feel, it. it did feel wrong. I think I, you're right. it did, but was that because of just the contrast of all the music and there were so many lighthearted, silly moments? But overall, the story is dark, and the yeah. situation he is in is dark. So I guess the violence didn't wasn't as jarring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind well, of and, expected and not, it. It wasn't jarring in the sense that I was surprised. Yeah. But but the loss of life with the way they would linger on baby's face, with the way they would mm. they would just kind of slow down for a moment. Right. In those in in a sense. Right. To me, it didn't wasn't that the violence was all of a sudden jarring. It was just that it was almost like it, was, it would pause hmm. for a moment to kind of, yeah, that sucks. Interesting. Instead yeah. of just brushing past it, hmm. when it could have brushed past it have, yeah. a lot. And and now, to, I, do I know if Edgar Wright was trying to do that to the degree that I was noticing it? I don't know. I think he wanted us to see that for Baby, like Paul mentioned. Um, but for me, it was impactful. It definitely impacted the character of Baby because yeah. they, they made a, a point of showing us his reactions when someone was shot or something horrible happened. Yeah. There's a couple of different fight scenes in particular I can remember and, and, and uh, shootouts and stuff where you could see on his face. He's just yeah. like, I was a part of this and now that person's dead. Yeah. And so yeah, there's definitely a heaviness that they want you to feel through Baby. Which is funny to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's really interesting that, that this movie, as as harsh as it is in places, it does feel like it has a lot of redeemable elements. To oh, absolutely. It. You know where where yeah. you really do root for the good guys. Absolutely. So you you yeah. feel and you feel the weight of some of the consequences. You know, right. you have this this point where where people have to pay for what they've done, mm-hmm. and and I think that there's there's a certain responsibility that you wouldn't necessarily in, expect. In a movie as light and as frenetic and as, you know, crazy in some ways as this movie mm-hmm. is. Yeah. yeah, and again, I think that's one of the cool things about Edgar Wright as a director. In, in all the films of his that I've watched, he has a way of doing that, uh, similar to maybe like a Judd Apatow, where in these movies that you wouldn't expect it, you find this heart that mm. is surprisingly grounded mm. in some really powerful messages. Well, and I think Edgar did an amazing job of casting the movie because you had such a 
such a rough group of people that Baby has to deal with on the criminal side. And then when he meets this girl, this waitress, played by Lily James, who was Cinderella, which my wife and I both loved that movie, um, she's got such an innocent look and the sweet smile, and she's just so, like... So charming. So charming. Yeah. She's just so, like, innocent and don't, you know, I'm, I'm nice to everybody. And um, and then when those moments happen on the other side, it's just such a stark contrast. And you get to see two different versions of Baby. One's where he's this sheepish kid who likes a pretty girl at a diner, and one's where he's this incredible driver who's being forced into this life. So it's just, I really liked the contrast. I thought his casting was amazing. Kevin yeah. Spacey as uh, kind of the boss of the group was great. Jamie Foxx played a great unhinged. He was a scary dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've always liked John Hamm. John uh, Hamm is amazingly versatile. He's, yeah, he's, he's very a little ver- bit of. A See, what I love about John Hamm is he'll even show up. And I know you've mentioned this in the show a few times. Yeah. He'll show up in a show like Parks and Rec in a yeah. small role where you don't really expect him. Or even in Thirty Rock, he'll be yeah. like the dumb boyfriend or something yeah, who chops off his own hands and has two hooks yeah. now for hands. <laughs> Because he's that dumb. He said he chopped off one and reached to like pick it up and chopped off his other. <laughs> yeah. So, have you seen the Simon and Sy- Simon uh, theme song starring John Hamm? No, I have not. Oh, we gotta see that. All right. <laughs> well, there you have it for Baby Driver. What were your thoughts? If you saw this movie, what were your thoughts? Or if you've only seen the trailers, what did you think about the trailers versus what we just said about it? <laughs> Let us know on Facebook and Twitter because we can totally... We to- I totally understand if you think we're out to lunch because I didn't think this looked that great based on the trailers. But um, By the way, my wife and I were both interested based on the trailer. We thought the okay. trailer looked stylish and kind of... And she likes heist movies. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. we both thought it looked interesting, but it still exceeded my expectations. Yeah. So there you have it on Baby Driver. Now on to superheroes. Welcome inside this week's nerd battle it's not we're not giving points this time but i have a feeling that over the course of this discussion there's going to be a bunch of nerds hurting each other i didn't realize this was going to be a nerd battle i thought this was just sort of a discussion it is it is but i'm and that's what i mean it's not an official nerd battle nobody's giving out points but i think a few people are going to be angered by opinions in this because we're talking about the superhero movie genre and there is a lot of hot garbage Oh my goodness! In the superhero genre. He's right. Oh my goodness! I'm not wrong, Paul. No, you are totally wrong. <laughs> There's a lot of hot garbage. There's a lot of hot garbage. The, I'm not saying it's right. all this hot is, garbage. I'm already furious. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is totally wrong. This is actually, I think, this is the best superhero movie year ever. Well, and we're not saying... I wasn't saying 2017 was full yeah, of a lot of You didn't set garbage. the context correctly. Sure. And I was going to get there, but apparently said, Paul... I was like, said, the super... I was saying no, the broad superhero movie it's genre. dying, and then you follow it up with saying... <laughs> okay, all right. terrible Okay, stuff. sorry. Okay, so for Paul and anybody else confused like poor Paul, <laughs> the context of this, the reason right, Paul right. brought it up as a discussion topic was... 2017 might be the yeah. best year of superhero hmm. movies ever. I mean, I have a Which list. Which means it's downhill from here. Right. Right? Well, maybe. Peak. I don't know. 2018 is looking like, good, too. Could there be a plateau? Possibly. But, I mean, 2017, um, let, we'll forget about the Power Rangers, because that oh, was yeah, that doesn't probably count. hot garbage. But you've got Lego Batman, Guardians of the Galaxy mm. Volume 2, Wonder Woman, Logan, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok co- still to come, and Justice League still to come. I mean, that's a mouthful, just to say. And all of those are within 2017. Right. And we have no idea. Kind of ends on a downer, but all right. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope not. Yeah, we don't know how Justice League and Thor Ragnarok are going to be. True. Right. The track records for both are not amazing. Right. Although... But the trailers for Thor Ragnarok have been good. They have. But, but Speaking I will, of James Gunn and Edgar uh, Wright, has that vibe to it. Sure, it does. Very and colorful and like neon, a little 80s vibe with the yep. music. 70s, it's yeah. 70s no, and 80s vibe. totally yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 And so what we wanted, so that, that sparked in us the, the question of, yes, is this the pinnacle of this genre, and is it going to be downhill from here? Is it oversaturated now? Because we just, we've got a dozen-ish Superhero yeah. movies in the next that have come out within yeah. this twelve month time period, mm. they've been coming out at a furious pace over the last basically since two thousand and eight. Yeah, um, and, and, and that actually that's sort of one of the questions that I wanted to ask you guys is where do you think 
the modern superhero movie really begins? Does it begin with 1989's Batman starring Michael Keaton? Does it start with the X-Men movies? Does it start with Spider-Man? Mm. Um, when? Because really, we had superhero movies before that. Obviously, right. we had Superman in 78 and all that kind of stuff. But, but And that, was, that like, was the first major big budget. Right. Superhero film. Oh, ever. was it? Superman okay. in '78. Gotcha. Right, yeah. and then you had Batman in '89, and but but really, it didn't become a genre until when? I mean, if it's not, I was going to say Superman. I couldn't remember what year it was. I was going to say Superman, but in terms of modern, my my pick would be X Men in 2000. It's 2000. Kind of, that's where I think, and of course, they've changed a ton in 17 years. You can totally, if you go back and watch X Men and the first Spider Man, you can see how they've changed. But the overall idea of tell an origin story, uh, tell the origin story, show how the team gets together, have them have a conflict of who am I? Like there's these kind of tropes have remained, although the styles and I think quality has gone up overall. Mm -hmm. But I think 2000s really when we turned the corner because you're talking about movies. It was mostly a. I feel like the 90s was so much satire. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, when it comes from when it comes to uh, comic book movies, and finally, it, they, it feels like with X Men, they said, "Let's take this seriously and tell the story in a way that fans of the source material would enjoy it." Yeah, I agree. I yeah, two thousand was a. I think it marks that turn. Though, though there was some serious ones before that. Blade came out in ninety eight. You had True. the Crow in ninety four. Even Batman, so you, the original, mm -hmm. the, the eighty nine, the eighty nine Batman. A few of those more serious ones. But when you look at two thousand, you had Unbreakable and you had X Men. Mm -hmm. You know, which felt weird to say with X-Men, but they felt a little bit more grounded emotionally. Right. Right. And, totally. No, no and Unbreakable wasn't based on a comic, though, right? Well, we're not talking about based on comic, per se. We're talking about superhero movies. Got Because yeah. based on comic, we start including nope. stuff like nope. 300. Nope, got it. Yeah. Understand. Right. Yeah, and, and that's, a good, that's a good point. We will say that for the clarification, because we're not, gonna, we're not just talking all comic book movies. We are talking more specifically about the superhero genre. A good example of one that's, I don't think it's based on a comic book, was Darkman. From Sam Raimi, I don't think I think it's a short story he wrote. I don't mm -hmm. think there. I mean, they may have made comics after that, right? But so that totally fits in this category. They took that really seriously. I think Darkman was actually a, when I saw it back in the day, I thought it was a pretty good movie. It was almost a prototype for what we're seeing today. Absolutely, don't you think? Where here's this character, this horrible thing happens to him, then he turns it in. He's gonna do. He's gonna have this whole revenge thing, but then he turns into a hero. And yeah, stuff. I haven't seen that movie for a long time. Yeah. Just you mentioning it. It, it doesn't hold up really great. But Sam Raimi plus Liam Neeson, you'd think? Liam Neeson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Liam Neeson's. But I thought it was good. So anyway, those kind of movies existed, but I think it was 2000 when it became expected. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, for me, I think it launched in 2003 with the original Spider-Man. I think that hmm. that was sort of like the beginning. That was 2002. 2002, sorry. <laughs> no at all. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think that, that the Spider-Man... X-Men felt like... You have a really valid point, and the, and you definitely could could land it right there. But for me, Spider Man was the was the movie that really made studios stand up and take notice because mm -hmm. it made three gazillion dollars. Oh, yeah, and and yeah. it really proved that that something like that could be very not only a successful movie, but a blockbuster. Right. You know, rake in every single amount of dollars that there are type sure. of movie. But if it's if it's that, the interesting thing I would say is Men in Black actually came out in '97, and un, and was actually the highest grossing comic yeah. book. Like, is that kind a superhero, superhero movie? movie? Yeah. See, I don't. think I think it's a it kind of is. I don't. Think I think so. it is. I think it straddles the line. You've got a guy who's you know outside. He's yeah. down as luck. He, you know, but then he he gets initiated and he gets these gadgets and he becomes superhero esque. No, it, it, so I think is... I think he would be. I would consider hmm. Will Smith's character in that movie to be sort of yes, it's a comedy, but sort of in that Iron Man, Batman. Totally, vein, it totally sure, fits those tropes. He, he but... doesn't become. A, he's not superhuman physically, but neither is Tony Stark. Yeah, no, I, I, interesting. Here's my thought on that, and, and, and I come Marvel at this from owned it. Oh, Marvel owned it. That's yeah. right. You, you did yeah. say that. I come at this from from obviously someone who, because my father wouldn't let me, I I did not grow up with comics, hmm. and so when when I think about Men in Black, 
I do not associate that with the comic books. Neither, and I don't neither think, do I. I don't think that most people who watch that movie associate it with, right. with the comic But if you take the comic book part out, right. but do it, we it, define it as a superhero genre? And I don't think it's a superhero I, I think, movie either. I think it contains some of the superhero... I think it's a science fiction comic. It has a lot of the origin story sure. elements of yeah. a superhero movie. I, that, and that's yeah. my argument, is I think it, I think it similar to the, like I already said, is that it has those that origin story. He gains superpowers through tools... Yeah. And the way a Batman or a Tony Stark yeah. would. When, when I think about superheroes... And then fights well, crime. Interesting. Intergalactic. Okay. When, when I think of superheroes, I think of the traditional superheroes. You know, sure. you got your DC, you got your Marvel. Mostly comic book Mostly based. centered in around the comic right. books. Exactly. exactly. So and that's sort of my qualification. When I think of superhero movies, that's sort of what comes to mind. And there's a few exceptions. Like I mentioned Darkman earlier, although he could have been taken out of the pages of a late 80s comic like he kind of has mm-hmm. that vibe but then there's even things like The Matrix where I would put that into that mm-hmm. category of someone with superpowers right I mean Neo becomes a superhero he does as he, and that's a, totally an origin story I don't let's not talk about the sequels right but The Matrix was a fantastic standalone yeah. movie very superhero yeah and then you've got Blade yeah who's a, like half human half vampire right. superhero or okay The Incredibles Ooh, that's a good one. It's a superhero movie. No, it's totally. I mean, they are literally superheroes. They are literally superheroes. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. There's, there's, but there's a different. There's a lot of wiggle. But when we talk, yeah, when we talk about superheroes as a genre, I think, of course, our mind goes to those that are imbued with natural superpowers, either through freak accidents Mm -hmm. or through birth. However, we've got in the DC and Marvel universe we've got plenty that are not naturally powered superheroes so then for you if it's for me I'm saying I think X-Men is where I kind of define that turning point Paul said Spider-Man 1 yeah what is it for you then as far as what I view as the the modern modern, superhero genre uh, I mean I think it's I look at 2008 with Iron Man and the launch of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I think I think when you look at I mean, and it's not to say that there weren't great movies like you guys mentioned before that, but I think that launched us into a period of a different quality, like overall. Because when you look at, because when you look at, when you look at all the movies that came after something like Spider or or Tim Burton's Batman in '89, or Spider Man uh, in 2002, or X Men in 2000, there was a lot of garbage. Like they didn't really they, they and they were all over the place. They didn't. There was no. There was not even a continuity of quality because I mean you yeah. think about this is this is what they followed up. Uh, X-Men and Spider-Man with was you had stuff like Daredevil League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Hulk Catwoman uh, Sky Captain World of Tomorrow Fantastic like Four Electra Sky Captain yeah, I, did. Uh, uh, I like Sky guys. Captain it was, it was fun really it's, styled yeah. no, no it's awesome not great Loved you're the, wrong, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Superman Returns Ghost Rider and then of course the Spider-Man series itself tanked and that to me kind of defines that time period between yeah you had a good one in X-Men in 2000 and Unbreakable and then a good one in Spider-Man, and you've had Incredibles, but, and you had Hellboy. Here's you had the thing, a couple, Devil's Advocate here. You had a yeah. couple good ones in there, but the vast but majority the were garbage. Here's the thing. that The year that Iron Man came out is also the same year that Dark Knight came out. And, uh-huh. and, I, and I would say that 2008, before this year, was the best year for superhero movies. But, but to, to start it off with Iron Man, I think it's a fair point. But at the same time, I'd be inclined, if I was going to go that way, to, to crank it to 2005 and Batman Begins. See, Batman Begins was good. I enjoyed it. But I don't think it holds up nearly as well. I don't think it's nearly as good of a movie. Oh, I think it's better I than disagree. Iron Man. No, oh, yeah. yeah, it is yeah. not better than Iron yeah. Man. You guys are out to lunch. No, no. it's really. Have you rewatched good. it? I have. I just rewatched Iron Man with my son this year. You got to no, but have you rewatched time. Batman Begins? Oh, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. That's what I mean. I, I'm saying I don't think Batman Begins holds up as well as Iron Man. Interesting. I would actually say, in terms of in terms, it's of not a bad movie. movie. It's not a bad movie. Batman Begins, I think, is better than Dark Knight. What? Well, now you're crazy. No, Dark Knight is definitely a better movie, uh-huh. but in terms of a movie that I'd rather watch, no. Batman. Begins. Not even close. Dark no. Knight. Not I mean, I, I acknowledge that the Dark, <laughs> the Dark Knight is a can be a difficult movie to watch, but I'd much rather pop in the Dark Knight than yeah. Batman Begins. Dark I, Knight is a great movie. I no would question. too, simply because I think Heath Ledger's performance, even if it weren't based on a comic book character known like the Joker. 
his performance is so electric. It's so magnetic. I can't I can't keep my eyes off of him when he's on the screen. He's yeah, amazing. I, I think there's an argument to be made that he is the greatest villain of all time. Yeah. Like regardless of or at least right. his performance is one of the best. Yeah. Right. Um, but I was gonna say to play devil's advocate to your idea that the quality uh, was consistent after 2008. I actually think as more much consistent. As, uh, more consistent. I love that Marvel set up their universe with Iron Man, and they they kind of hint that the Incredible Hulk from a couple years before, or maybe it was the same year. Um, the they Hulk, kind of hint that there's some connections yeah. there because I think Tony Stark does he show up in the end? He does. Yeah, he does at the end of the Hulk. Even yeah. though they don't tie in Edward Norton as the right. Hulk, but they and they uh, yeah anyway. that that Hulk movie with Edward Norton is considered a part of the official. MCU. Which by the way, I kind of liked that Incredible Hulk movie. I did too. I that one it, was actually yeah. I did love the way they did Abomination. Six and a half. But I was going to say, think about the movies that you mentioned: X Men and Spider Man. But then after that was garbage. Yeah, those one-offs like Daredevil, I agree with that was garbage. But you had X Men two, X Men two, and Spider Man two, which I think are still two of the best. Oh, yeah. I, and I did there. list Spider Man two. And so I what think I'm saying Doc is their, is their quality villain. all went up. I feel like Iron Man's quality went down with each release, and it's in its, its, its specific uh, series. I, I would disagree. That's Iron, I Man, think Iron Man, Iron Man one is still the best of those three. Yeah, I agree I with agree. that. Iron Man two was a little bit worse. Yeah, a lot worse. Iron, Iron Man, Man 3 was, was even worse than 2. I don't think it was. Yes, it was. I don't think it was. I think that was a pretty fun twist. Did you guys already know about that twist when you watched it? No. I didn't know about that twist. I, I reviewed all three. Yeah. I agree with Dan. All right. Well, yeah. No, so I... I'll have to say... And I, but, I wouldn't think... But even though that was worse than the original Iron Man... Yeah. It was still better than Daredevil or Elektra or sure. the no, Eric Bana Hulk here's, or Catwoman. Sure. And, and those were all separated. Point, Whereas now point. you had a connected universe, which right. was interesting. Right, which was actually... Yeah. And no, that, right. that, is the, that was the that point I was getting elevated to. All of the that one. elevated the genre yeah. in a yeah. huge way. Is that Instead of all these disparate one-off films, all of a sudden... And that could it give some credibility movie. to you, to your point, that Spider-Man, that three-part series and all that. But this even more so brought in... All these trilogies into one whole universe. Right. Well, let's just and say, that was pretty groundbreaking. Let's just say that when it comes to the Marvel universe, I don't think that anything of its ilk was ever conceived before they started doing it. I mean, to to think about all these interconnected movies that are standalone and yet tied into a greater universe. I mean, it was it it truly is. I think one of the the most incredible cinematic achievements of our time. I it mean, is. it is amazing yeah. to think of that ambition that I they agree. had. And now they've tied TV shows into it. Well, and, and they all balance out. Exactly. I mean, you have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you have the Daredevil folks oh, yeah. over in, over in Netflix, and they all sort of tie in together. And the S.H.I.E.L.D. show reacted during when, yeah. when Winter Soldier happened and some major events happened. Yep. The Built next episode of it Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., was totally affected by it. It's amazing how fun. they were able to do that. For the viewer who was consuming all of those different movies and shows, it was really fun. Well, and, and as a completionist, it makes you want to. I mean, I'm, I'm already contemplating Sorry. when Infinity Wars come out, I might just have to do a whole Marvel marathon and yeah. watch the whole thing. And, and even now with, with Spider-Man Homecoming, there's a beautiful little crossover. I mean, this yeah. Spider-Man is owned by Sony. You know, they don't have anything to do with Disney or technically Marvel at all. But you have Tony Stark appears in, in Home. He's on the poster. I know. And He's you, a key have, part of this movie, You have these, these key cameos by, well, not key, fun cameos mm-hmm. by Captain America. It, it's yeah. amazing how they've been able to unite this, this, these worlds together. Well, have I you guys that. seen, you've seen the poster for Spider-Man, right? Where it's got all the characters, in it, including Iron Man. Yeah. And some photoshoppers on the internet have... Taken that poster and just added in like all these random celebrities and political <laughs> figures, and the thing's just too full. So you can that's the, that's to me that's one of the dangers of having this united universe where now you're going to have Iron Man in the Spider Man movie, and now you're going to have Captain America, but you're going to include all these other characters there. It's entertaining and fun, but I think you run into the. I think there's a challenge in making sure that each character is. It's not diluted. It's not diluted. Thank you. Yeah. Each, no, each character needs to have their moment because each character is very interesting. And but, well, and that's when you think about as as we come to the, to the Infinity Wars. I've seen the cast list for that thing. How how is that even going to work? Well, do you want to know an interesting thing too, though, about what you said? To, again, to play the flip side of that argument that you just made, Tim, mm-hmm. is when I think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the films that have been really good and the ones that haven't worked as well. Right. Um, 
it's I feel almost like it's the ones that ignore that like some of the characters you know for the most part from the other movies that are not as strong yeah. like if you think about I think about the Thor series of movies that have tended to be the Which weakest. Which I really enjoy. Actually. They're fun. I I'm really not saying they're bad. I, you know, it's it's sort of, there's an element when you're talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe that feels, in a sense, kind of like when you talk about the Pixar Right, exactly. Movies. It goes it goes from from excellent to pretty pretty good. Right, still better than most of what's out right, there. Still exactly. better than most of the right. movies. But the standard's the been raised. The bar's yeah. been raised. Right. Um, but when I, I think it, I think about the ones that tend to be stronger, and they tend, I like the ones where they're, there's that cross pollination of these heroes where we see that they're still in this universe together even if the main focus is on this one hero because you think about uh, Thor the Dark World mm-hmm. and there was hardly any it was, which I could argue I think I did put this on the very bottom of yeah. my list of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, where were the other characters? You hardly saw anybody yeah. from. But that wasn't what was wrong with heroes. it. So, but that's what not what was wrong. I'm with not the saying Dark that World. was exactly what's wrong with it. But I'm saying like start to think through the movies that had more interactions with more of these superhero characters, and I think they were stronger because again, you go to the Iron Man movies and they had very little crossover, mm-hmm. and they got weaker as they went. Yes, but the first versus one, Captain America, Civil or uh, Civil War, and the Winter Soldier, right? Which had a lot of other characters from these right. other movies, and those are two of the strongest in the series. Definitely. Same with the first Avengers movie, mm-hmm. like those movies that I just mentioned were at the top of our top five list. Like right. all of those well, in our top well, five list included a lot of heroes, no, it, and I think that maybe that wasn't the reason Thor: The Dark World was bad. But it was part of the reason those other movies were good. Well, and I think there's also... There really truly is a geek boy component here. I mean, when <laughs> I was a little kid, I really loved the idea of all these teaming up of superheroes. Yeah. You know, there, there was something just really compelling about yep. that. And even today, like in the real world, when, when, you have, when you're watching the Olympics and you see all these gold medalists who are on the same relay team yeah. or whatever, there's, there's a thrill about that. And so I think, I think that immediately because... We have that reaction where you're seeing these these true superstars together. Right. It makes us as as fans of the genre get more excited about. Totally. It, it doesn't necessarily make them better movies, I don't think. But I think that, Not, that yeah. as a fan, it helps us enjoy. I mean, it's the same reason that sometimes I get lost in the YouTube spiral of Anaconda versus Tiger or whatever. Like I want to see these <laughs> things that probably would never face up. Well, now you get to see them face well, up. Well, and that was sort of the charm of of Iron, like Civil War, right? You know, Captain totally. America, Iron Man, right. and that's what they were trying to capitalize with Batman versus Superman. That yeah, film. yeah, I totally agree with that. I I think there's some truth to what you're saying, Jake, in that when they're combined, there's more potential there because this is this is going to sound like an insult to the people who write it. I'm not trying to make it sound like an insult. I think it makes. In some ways, it makes it a little easier because now you don't have to dig into this one character and really tell one solid story. Think about something like Logan that came out recently. Like, yes, they had some other characters, and then the end, you know, Professor X is a key part of that. But it really is all about Logan. It's not really about him interacting with all these other superheroes. It is a very singular, very powerful story, and um, not all of them are that way. We just talked about Thor. I think it's kind yeah, of weak. Or X Men Origins. Yes, but again, they tried to tie in a yeah. ton of other he, of other right. characters. They did. That's, that's that fair. I thought was just really bad. Yeah. They tried to tie in like Gambit in a way that was off putting and just didn't work. But with Logan, well, it was a single story. So I think in some ways it makes it simpler until you get to like Avengers or Civil War. Well, now you've got eight, nine, ten. How do you then make it compelling? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I think. On the one hand, I think uh, it can make it a little easier when you've got a two or three team up because then you always have someone to play off of. You can you don't really have to dig too deep. But on the other hand, think about what the Russo brothers did with uh, with Civil War. I find it to be very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that one of the things that, that's key about those standalone movies is the more compelling the main character is, I right. think the 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 better the movie's going to stand up. I mean, I think one of the reasons why Iron Man always stands up is because Tony Stark, you know, Robert Downey Jr., he's just so fantastic in that role. And that's why the Thor movies are the weakest, because I think Thor is one of the weaker superheroes. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. In the Marvel Universe. Just his character in general. Sure. As written, as I just think he's one of the weaker characters. And when when you have Captain America, I mean, I think that the character itself, he could... If this whole Marvel universe had never spun out, he could have definitely anchored, you know, a series all to himself sure. without anybody else coming apart. Because the character is so compelling. 
Well, especially in today's culture, the contrast of his kind of old school conservative mentality with just the culture that we're in today right. and how that would clash, of course, makes for a fascinating yeah. storytelling in and of itself. Yeah, no, I agree. For sure. Yeah, so where do we think this is going? Because, all right, we've got this huge web that Marvel's been weaving. DC has been stumbling their way through Aww. trying to mimic it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cute. It's adorable. But Wonder Woman was fantastic. Wonder we already Woman talked about that in a, in a previous episode. Go back and listen to it if you want to hear us gush about how great Wonder Woman was. Because we it really was. Did, we did to gush. We yeah, gushed. It was embarrassing. You did gush. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but okay, is there gonna be is there gonna be a plateau here, or do we obvious or can they keep can they keep going up, or is there gonna be a plateau here, or are we at the inevitable decline of the genre? Yeah. Because there was a time they didn't do this exact same thing that we've seen with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but there was a time when like westerns were all that in a bag of potato chips. That was everything, and that was all America wanted. In a sense, was westerns and westerns and westerns, and we so really are. Reaching, what's next yeah. for the superhero yeah, genre? Critical mass here. With, we, yeah. we do superheroes. It, it does feel like we're we've sort of hit a point of of saturation in right. a way, and I still have enjoyed. It, it's a tribute to to Marvel and Disney that those movies have been so consistently good over time. Mm-hmm. But man, we're, we, how many superhero movies are out this year? Five, six. That's I mean, a lot of stuff. what we named one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right there. You know, yeah, just in 2017. Just in 2017. Wow. It's crazy, and and I do think that in in some ways it, it sort of naturally builds to the Infinity War and the next Avengers sequel after that, it, and it makes me wonder whether after that people will say, okay, we got to this plateau, we've got to this point, mm-hmm. now, and and they just don't have a way to keep building on. You know, because but they'll, I think they'll try. I think they'll try because of the money. Well, of yeah. course they they'll have to try. But people are already saying ah, it's too much. People are saying ah, not another superhero movie. Like we posted the review of the Beguiled on uh, the focus or on the plugged in Facebook page, and yeah. people are like ah, thank goodness it's not another superhero movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a weird movie to be saying that on, but whatever. Okay, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think superhero movies are ever going to go away. Right. I don't They've think they've been around ever, ever since gone. we had movies essentially. Yeah, pretty close. I mean, I did a little bit of research and these started back in the late 30s and 40s. I do think they will go the way of the westerns though. You know, yeah, we, still we still have get westerns. westerns. We still have westerns, but we don't see as many westerns as you did back in the western heyday. And it feels like I mean, as much as I like superhero movies, I I do feel like there will be a decline in interest. Mm-hmm. And I think there will be another... One of the things that, that superhero do, movies do so effectively is they really do give us a template to mm-hmm. to grapple with what it means to be a hero, with right. what it means to be good, all that kind of stuff, right. which Westerns always used to do. And I think that, that maybe there there does come to be a point where people say, let's move on from mm-hmm. this and let's find yeah. something else down the road. Yeah. So with that... What are your predictions for what that something else down the road will be? What genre is it going to be, Nostradamus? Well, I'm going to stand by my prediction. That I don't think they're going anywhere. I just think they're going to completely morph. I think in about five, seven years, when we look at the superhero genre, it's going to look way different than it looks now. I think right now, I think with things like Logan, I think we're entering a, what's going to be a series. I think there's going to be a lot of rated R, very gritty, very grounded versions of these superheroes. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, whenever this Justice League run is over, if they do an old man Batman style movie or even movie series where you've got this old, grizzled, can't quite get it done anymore, and they're going to tell some of those old Batman stories. I wouldn't be surprised if we get some of that. Um, or maybe even it goes back to the old, to that retro style. you got things like Guardians of the Galaxy, we talked about Baby Driver... Um, that kind of feeling where it's very music driven it's very throwback it's just very fun and bright and neon I think we might move in these two different directions and there's not going to be that I feel like the Marvel Universe now is kind of that middle ground where it's just fun blockbuster for everybody then you have the outliers that are either rated R and really violent like your Deadpool and your Logan or maybe the real stylish kind of just out there Scott Pilgrim versus the world kind of thing it's it's interesting because I think that this year we're starting to see that divergence I mean Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why I get so excited about the superhero movies of this year, is they all feel very different from one another. I mean, 
Logan and Wonder Woman and Spider-Man Homecoming are totally different Absolutely. movies. Yeah. But they all have a certain charm, all of their own. And I think in some ways... In some ways, it shows a maturity of, of filmmaking. Like, they don't have to tell the origin story over and over and over again. Mm. They, they have confidence in the character. They have confidence in the genre. They mm. can tell a compelling story that's very, very different. Mm. You know, Logan is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Um, it was a very daring movie. It was. And incredibly good. Executed I mean, wonderfully, I thought. I, I thought it really was. Yeah. Again, you know, content caveat. Lots of problems with it, but it was it was brilliant. No problems with it. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you insult Tim's favorite movie of the year? <laughs> no, I, I think I personally think that it should be nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, me yeah. Too. I mean, it's uh, it's worthy. Uh, as for me, I think this. I think the superhero genre. Even though it might be at its pinnacle, I think it's going to get a little plateau. I think 2018 is going to be fantastic for the superhero genre still. I think even 2019 could be. And, and even when it drops, it's going to be a slow descent, I think, as the Marvel Cinematic Universe tapers I off. I don't think well, it's going to crash and Well, and as those actors' contracts run up and they right. start getting a little too old. Yeah. and yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, that's going to happen. But I think it's gotten legs with the Netflix shows uh, if we exclude Iron Fist, which was mostly garbage, um, they've gotten a lot of leverage with that. They've gotten some other good TV shows, whether that's what's the one on uh, FX, uh, Legion, uh, which has gotten some traction, and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. There's legs left in this genre, mm-hmm. but as it winds down, this is my prediction. I think the next big genre is going to be VR romantic comedies. Because people are going to, guys, you know, <laughs> we're not going to want to save the world anymore. We're just going to want to shut it all out. And you guys gonna, can't see my face, but <laughs> I am not buying it. We're going we're gonna to want to just shut it all out. We're going to want to numb ourselves with laughter and love. And we're going to find that in virtual reality romantic comedies. Yeah, you know, I totally disagree with you. You heard it here, folks. Did you, no, by the way, happens. did you guys see that thing in Japan? Only in Japan. Yeah, that, that, that was super Where you gross. can get married to your It's VR, already happening. And then as you go to, in for the... Marriage kiss. Someone holds up like a fake set of lips for you to kiss. Like you have the VR mask yeah. on, and you're marrying. Young men anime. are doing virtual reality happen- weddings. No, that's marrying that's no, that's characters. just sad. That's not a fad that's coming. That's, yeah, that's no, it's. Sad. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it. I'm just saying it's, it's your prediction. Coming. It's All my right. prediction. Yeah, you guys yeah. heard it here first. Oh, I, I didn't know you were supposed to make predictions of the next thing. I actually yeah, think I wanted to know what you thought the next thing was after superhero genres. Okay, because like, it was like westerns and then yeah. you know superheroes. So movies. I don't think that I think the genre will continue. Like I said before, I think it's going to be a lot fewer movies and it's going to be much more Netflix style. Whatever, whether it's Netflix or some other new thing pops up, I think it's going to be that series style of storytelling. But it's going to be what genre? Superheroes. You think it's still? Gonna I still be think it's going to be superheroes, but I think they're going to continue to dig into that. I think that's going to yeah. happen for a long time. The daredevils of the world sure. have really shown how successful that. Which can be. I said in our Alien Covenant podcast, I want Ridley Scott to do like a Netflix series. Yeah, that it, would be pretty interesting. Awesome. I think that's the way it'll go. Yeah. So I I think that the this is sort of strange considering how mad I got at you guys for saying <laughs> that, that superhero genre was dead. But I do think I do think that the genre is going to crash and burn. I think that they, you don't think it's going to taper slowly. I don't think it's going to taper slowly. I think there's going to be a backlash. Mm. Um, I still think that mm. there will be superhero movies made, mm. but as the quality gets worse and the quality is going to go down eventually, I think that we're going to see sort of a reaction against them, and they're just going to almost vanish, where they're just going to be sort of uncool. Interesting. I don't think that they're going to be replaced <laughs> by virtual reality rom coms. I. That's I, all right, uh, Paul. So only a few of us are visionaries. <laughs> because, because I think there's still going to be a need for 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 people like us to sort of to sort of grapple with that whole good and evil type of thing, right? So, Girl, um, good girlfriend, bad girlfriend. <laughs> could it be video games? Could we be taking characters from video games? Are they going to finally... They've been trying, but that's that's a good point. Is the video game movie genre finally going to find legs? No. And become great? (laughs) (laughs) The video game podcast guy says no, so no, Paul, sorry. 20 Um, years from this day, we will do another podcast and find out who's Listen, it's possible, but just my quick thought on that is I think video games are becoming so effective at storytelling on their own. They won't need movies as another way to tell a story. Like, and they're yeah. they're very popular. Video games are more mainstream now than ever. I think, even on your phones and your mobile devices, you'll be able to experience a full story video game style. Even if it's choose what 
what uh, dialogue to say. Maybe yeah. you're not fighting anybody. Like a virtual reality rom com. Um, very Where unlike that. Like a Telltale <laughs> style. Virtual reality romantic comedy. All right, Tim? well, now that's different than what you described. No, that's pretty much the same thing, oh except now you have gosh. options. Yeah. It's the exact same <laughs> thing, except now you push A. Maybe. A to kiss Maybe. her, B to slap her. No, no. I don't no, know. we do not advocate this violence. Don't slap, like... don't slap women. I, see, I, I, no, I don't think it's video games. I actually don't think it's... If there's going to be a genre that replaces superheroes, and I don't think there's going to be. I really don't. I don't think it's a genre we know about yet. Interesting. An unidentified genre. I think it's going to be, like, in terms of just overall topic or character archetypes or whatever, it's going to be something that hasn't really been done quite yet. I don't think it's going to be a rehash. I don't think it'll be something else coming, like, post-apocalyptic coming back up again or whatever. I don't think it's going to be that. I'm I'm rooting for film noir. Film noir. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be be interesting. There you have it, folks. Paul said it. We said it. It's dead. No, just kidding. We didn't say that. You listened to this whole conversation. That's not what we said. <laughs> but, uh, guys, I'm interested to see what happens. I, I'm interested to see how wrong you are in your predictions yeah. and to see how you react when you have to admit well, that I'm and, right. And the thing is, we but, won't be able to. If you're yeah. right, Jake, we'll never be able to do another podcast <laughs> I, because you'll be just watching your virtual reality rom com. Can I just mention a few of what I think are some of the worst, real quick, superheroes? Okay. Yeah. Just real quick. Sure. Uh, Steel. I had that starring Shaquille yep. O'Neal. Yep, one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, I thought uh, Judge Dredd, the first one, was I never watched it, but horrible. I heard it was bad. Oh, Sylvester Stallone. Yes, yeah. okay. but I thought the remake was pretty great. Oh, that was hard to watch, but it yeah. was not. It was not a poorly made movie. All right, hang on, hang on. Yeah, uh, that may be the most violent movie I've still ever seen. No, and it was no, so good. And then Batman and Robin, of course, is one of the worst <laughs> things ever. Nipples. One of the worst things ever. I think Batman Forever gets like unfairly criticized, although I don't think it's good. I thought Batman Forever with Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey's villains was actually kind of fun. I like Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Yeah, uh, I did. All right, well, I won't judge you. Yeah. Uh, but the last one I'll mention real quick is The Rocketeers because I grew up on that one. I thought you oh. liked it. I love the Rocketeer. Oh, I thought you were listening. I, I, to sorry, I, I shifted gears here. <laughs> but it's I one that I like. That's supposed to be a great movie. Yeah, yeah no, I wanted to close with one that I really liked. Okay. That we didn't talk about the Rocketeer. I loved. That we need movie. to watch the Rocketeer. Okay, maybe uh, maybe that'll be. I on. don't know how it holds up, but we'll, we watch it a heard lot. It's great. We're going to be launching soon once Paul's finished writing another one of his books. We're going to be launching our backlist Hall of Shame segment, mm. where we have to watch like movies that we sh- really should have seen in the past. There you go. And we're going to pick them for each other, so maybe the Rocketeer will be on. Rocketeer was a fun one. So anyway, right. sorry to jump back in there. there <laughs> Last time we invite Tim on here. Yeah, <laughs> no. Now on to the most least important thing. Welcome inside the most least important thing, the place where we bring you the trivially, the place where we bring you bloopers, <laughs> or the trivial of pop culture that might be really important, or really important things that might, that to us are really important, but to you might be really trivial. Mm. That's what we call this segment, the most least important thing. Gentlemen, who would like to go first? You know, I'll go first. Paul? Um... I actually had a hard time picking out a most least important thing. Yeah, you you really peaked with your self-promotion last episode. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking about just bringing that again. That was was really funny. (laughs) But no, I... I, By the way, I wrote a book. (laughs) By the way, in case you haven't heard... That was definitely the least important. No. um, I've seen, strangely enough, we're in the middle of of the summer movie season, right? Mm, So blockbusters are just coding the, the... multiplexes. But ironically, I've seen a lot of really great indie movies. And Baby Driver was one of them. Okay. That was a that was a nice movie. Um, but I wanted to bring up another one that that might be worth someone's time. All right. Maudie. Maudie. No one is going to see it. It's coming out this the it's out now. It is out now. It's competing head to head with Spider-Man: Homecoming. So you know that no one's going to be seeing it. But Marty, very different target audience, maybe. A very different target audience. Okay. It's about it's about this uh, Canadian folk artist named Maud Lewis, essentially. Wow, you had me at Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but it's essentially she she was born with a lot of birth defects. She deals with arthritis. She marries this really strict grouchy guy and they live in a one room shack 
in the middle of, of Nova Scotia. And, but the amazing thing is, is that she becomes this artist and she paints these beautiful, childlike, vibrant, colorful paintings that she sells for $5 a pop outside her, her front door. And the inside of her house is completely bedecked with painting too. She just started painting the, her walls, her furniture, her stairs in mm. these really colorful things. And, and it's a surprisingly inspiring story. I, I wrote in my review that I was kind of expecting sort of a quirky, um, perhaps slightly inspirational indie movie when I walked in. I walked out with a new hero. Maude Lewis is amazing. So, and I, I think that the movie is really effective as well. I just looked it up because I wanted to see like who's in it. It's got Sally Hawkins. Yes, I love Sally Hawkins, and she's brilliant in this. Because you ever great. see Happy Go Lucky, another no. indie movie starring her, where she plays this almost overly optimistic, but they do a great job of not making her annoying, happy person. And this bad stuff happens to her, and she has this rough go of it, but she still chooses to be happy. Yeah, it's a really good movie, and it, it's almost yeah. And she's the mom in Paddington. She just kind of has like this friendly. There's something about her, so I've liked her a lot. Yeah. So the fact that she's in it makes me interested. To she's see it. she's incredibly charming, and and I think that I she's getting some Oscar buzz already for okay. best actress. Okay. Um, from what I could see, it's well deserved. Awesome. Maddie is the type of movie that I feel really bad about never watching. <laughs> Because you know you'll never watch it. <laughs> because I know I'm never going to watch it. It sounds yeah. really sweet. I'm yeah. like, that's inspiring. Yeah. I'm sure I would enjoy it. But I will probably never get myself to pr- push play because I'll be like, ah, I'm going to go watch some more superhero movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, I'm somewhere or I'm going to watch your office reruns. <laughs> See, I might watch it. Let's say yeah. it pops up on Netflix or on Amazon Prime. Maybe I'll throw it on the queue. Yeah, and it'll it's, just lay in the queue for years. It might sit in the queue forever, like some of the stuff <laughs> in my queue. But once you watch it... But uh, it might... And might get You'll watched. have a really emotional weekend, and it'll be great. Yeah. 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 Tim, uh, would you like to go next, or would you like more time to think of yours? Go ahead. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I reminded him of this hey, earlier. Hey, you can mention, yeah. you know what? You can mention my book if you wanted to. <laughs> I could. Mine's <laughs> over. That's yeah. it. Paul's book. <laughs> he so, wrote it with Jim Daly. <laughs> so for me, it's, uh, I haven't watched Spider-Man Homecoming yet. But I saw an article on The Verge about how Spider-Man Homecoming is the latest movie to have trailers that feature footage that is not actually found in the movie. And this is something that has gone on for years. It's not necessarily new. Stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. uh, Or it gets mixed and matched for trailers and it doesn't happen. Hmm. Um, The difference with Spider-Man Homecoming is that they actually created footage for the trailer that they never intended to have in the movie. So there's a scene in the trailers where you see Spider-Man swinging, you know, through the through like Brooklyn or Queens and Iron Man is flying next yeah. to him, doesn't happen in the movie. Bummer. And, and was never going to be in a movie. It wasn't shot to be in the movie. It was only shot to be in the trailer. Hmm. And and so it brings up this interesting question of when does it go from just marketing, creating hype for a movie to false advertising. Because there are two specific examples of this in the past that have seriously infuriated me. This might sound more, like more of a you issue. No, guys, The Verge reported on this. Gizmodo has reported on this over the years. It's a huge problem. Rain of, <laughs> Rain of Fire. Do you guys remember the movie Rain, Rain of Fire? Fire yes. Yeah, solid, solid dragon movie. In the trailers for that thing, there was like dragons and helicopters going at each other, and it was like yes please i want dragons and helicopters and that battle. didn't happen in the movie didn't happen in yeah. the movie oh that would make me better that was yeah. super frustrating yeah, as a young adolescent child who was very excited about dragons versus helicopters it's only false advertising in my opinion when it becomes if they what if they named it rain of dragons and helicopters <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that they have a clip in the movie that they end up cutting from the movie i don't think that's a problem is I it i also felt super let down when i saw the trailer for the first kung fu panda Boy, and there's this place where dangerous. where the panda belly bumps the tiger and he's like skadoosh as he belly bumps yeah. him doesn't happen that way in the movie. I was wait, like, I busted up every time I saw that trailer. It was the funniest thing. I waited the whole movie <laughs> for that. I see the belly bounce coming in slow mo. Yeah. He doesn't say skadoosh. I about walked out because <laughs> they save skadoosh for the end. They do in a really dumb scene. It didn't skadoosh. was not interesting at all where they used it. <laughs> Lame guys. This is a huge problem. So, do you have a number <sighs> for a good counselor? <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as my friend Queen Elsa once said. 
Let it go. <laughs> and was that Tim? It's your turn. All right, my most is it least most important. The most least most important. Least I, I important never because it's thing. it's got to be a not important thing at all that you think is really important. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to lead up to what the thing is. Okay. By saying I think this has been one of the greatest years for one of my favorite companies, and that's Nintendo. Okay. I think Nintendo has been killing it this year. They released a brand new system that has sold better than any other system's first month in the in the north in North America, uh, except of the PS4. The PS4 is the only one that sold more, which is incredible because PS4 is already breaking records. So for any of you who follow video games and like video games, you know Nintendo's kind of had this comeback. They got the Nintendo Switch, this flashy little system that docks. You play it on your screen, you pull it out of the dock, you can play it handheld. Very cool little system. So I think Nintendo has done a great job starting last fall and through today, and it continues of. They finally, I think, harnessed what it is that people like about Nintendo. It's, we love Mario, we love Zelda, we love the nostalgia, give us more of that. And last fall they released what something called the NES Classic. This little mini um, Nintendo Entertainment System that had 30 preloaded games on it. You plug it into your TV, comes with two controllers, ready to play. The problem was, everyone wanted one, and they only made like seven. So... <laughs> <laughs> it was I, that was actually one of my most least important things. Yeah, that's right. You did talk yeah. about that. So now, here we are, middle of 2017. I'm hoping they've learned from their mistakes because they just announced what I'm so excited about because this is what I grew up on. This Super Nintendo Classic is coming out in September. In two months, they're going to release the SNES Classic. It's going to have 19 of the best games that ever came out in the system, including Star Fox 2, never before released. They finished the game and they're going to release it on, on this no system. No way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So I'm very excited about it, but I'm very scared that it's going to be one of those situations where scalpers grab these things and they'll be on eBay for a grand are when you, it should be 80 bucks. Are you trying to pre-order? When are the pre-orders going on sale? Pre-orders are not up yet because it has to get FCC uh, approval, that kind of thing. So as soon as that happens, they'll go up for pre-order. I got notifications set up on all sorts of sites hoping I can grab one. We'll see. I'm going to set notifications on your notifications. I'm going to buy one and, and sell, sell it to it. you for a lot of money. Thank you, Just, Tim, for that financial lifeline. Dang it. <laughs> uh, but I'm very excited about it. I grew up on Super Nintendo. My older brother and I bonded a lot with that system. I love those games, that 16-bit era of graphics. I just really, really loved. And uh, anytime, even now, a big, a big thing now for smaller developers is... We're going to make a game that has retro graphics. Yeah. It's usually an easy way to get 16 something 16-bit things are really huge. And 16-bit, I, I like it. I mean, the 8-bit was a little too old, a little too pixely for my personal yeah. taste. 16-bit is where you started to see some really cool art design come out. So anyway, it's something that I geek out about. When the SNES Classic hits, I am going to be trying to snatch one of those up. I cannot wait. And if you have anyone in your lives who played the Super Nintendo and you have a chance to get one, buy one for me and then get one for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Tim can yeah. have extras. Yeah. And then he can scout. It's, uh, it's it's pretty cool. And I th again, I think Nintendo is they're they're pl they're playing it smarter this year than they have in a long time. So, kudos to them. There you have it. That was our roundup of the most least important things. <laughs> and that brings a conclusion to our show because that's the way we love to wrap up every show. So be sure to tell us how crazy, awesomely smart or wrong we are on Facebook at our group. Pop culture with fan people and know-it-alls. On Twitter, you can find me at at Jake underscore Roberson. You can find Tim at at Tim underscore Nestor. Or at AC Paul. Is Paul AC there on the tweets. So be sure to hit us up because we want to tell you how awesomely smart you are. Unless you're not smart and then we'll tell you that you're not. No, we're nice. We're nice. Well said. <laughs> uh, that's it for this week's show. Thank you so much for joining us, Tim. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. It's fun. It was great. We need yeah. to do it again. Yeah, it's fun. Sure. And until next time, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Peace. 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 <laughs>